0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you got your Bible, if you were here last week, we, we, we began there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Why don't you go with me there again tonight? 1 Corinthians 2, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for quite a while now, and, and I'm really enjoying this, and Actually, I I couldn't get away from this passage. I just kept coming back to it and kept coming back to it. And I I know in my own life when I just keep coming back and it's what I say sitting on a verse, sitting on a passage of Scripture, I, I can tell the Lord really, really, really wants me to get that on the inside of me. It's kind of like marinating in something. And so right here we begin 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, But as it is written... The word of God. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, it's almost like Paul was telling us, and you guys don't even have a clue what Father God wants to do for you. You don't even have a clue how how he wants to bless you. And when I talk about blessings... So many times our minds race to material things. But the longer you walk with God and the older you get in life, the more you begin to treasure things as health. That's a huge blessing. Peace is incredible to me. I love the peace of God. I thank God for peace. I thank God for His joy. But He says right here, we can't even fathom the things that God has for those who love Him. Now, as I looked at that verse in the Amplified, it said, for those who hold Him in effectuate reverence, and those who promptly obey Him. And so if we put all that in light of the whole verse there, that God has things for every one of us, but He says, listen... I want you to reverence me. I want you to honor me. And how do we do that? That's why it's so important when we come in here to worship God and to praise God, that you, you give Him your, your attention span. Where it may be you raise your hands and some of you say, man, I've never done that. I'm going to tell you, when you begin to raise your hands, and you could, you could care less who's by you. You could care less how you sound. If you sound bad when you sing, come sit on the front row with me. I'll make you sound incredible. I promise you. But I, I get loud. I get so loud in praise and worship that I have to be careful during the second service on Sunday. My voice will almost be gone. And, I, you know, I know to God it's a it's a joyful noise. To other people it's not. I get tickled with our praise and worship team because they say, "Pastor, we, we, we don't even look at you. We don't like to hear you. You're so off key." And I said, "No, no, no. You guys are off. I'm on. I'm just trying to help." you. They said, "You're clapping." One of our drummers one day said, "I was watching you clap, and he said you had me so goofed up." <laughs> and so I said, "I I need to find the black people in the room. They'll keep me on, man. You know, that's what we get off. You know, and so." But I've got to give my heart to Jesus and say, man, Lord, help me. I just want to come into your presence. I want to reverence you and obey him promptly. Now keep reading here. Verse 10. But God has revealed or he'll show them to us through his spirit. What will God show us through his spirit? The things he has in store for every one of us. The things that eye has not seen and ears not heard. He said, I'll reveal them to you through my Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. And so there, there's two elements that are key to know that the things of God, what He has for me, is, is number one, it's, it's by the Holy Spirit. And number two, it's my response to God and the Holy Spirit as a human being. How do I respond to Him? God's not a stupid God. He he knows our hearts, and He knows when we just try to use Him, and He knows when, you know, many times we we treat God like a life jacket. And I only want anything to do with you, Father God, when I'm sinking. But something changes when I come in here, I come into the presence of the Lord, and say, oh, Holy Spirit, just breathe on me, help me. I want to worship you, I want to adore you. Part of the reason this is just flowing out of me for, for the last two days, I've been at a pastor's conference, 5,000 pastors. And for two days, I just, I just sat there and would weep, just take in the things of God. And there's just great men of God there. Actually, many of you know Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, was there. Billy Graham is 97, and he began to share things about his father. And I tell you, just, just the power of God would come in that. And, and last night, we were sitting there taking communion, and that's when the Lord said to me, he said to my heart, why do you do what you do? And so even in these areas right here, I look and i Lord, I want to respond to you. And the way I do that is I allow the Holy Spirit to move in me. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Again, really, the only one that knows my thoughts is me. You don't know my thoughts right now. And I don't know yours. Even so, listen listen close. No one knows the things or the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, for so long within the church as a whole... We've, we've run from the things of the Holy Spirit. We've avoided the things of the Holy Spirit. But if I read this in, in context or even content, I look and I think, right here, he didn't say there was any other way that the things of God would be revealed to me except through the Holy Spirit. He didn't say it's option A, B, or C. He just said it's by the Spirit of God. And so it's something to say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. I welcome you. Verse 12... Now, we have not received the spirit of the world. And when he talks about the spirit of the world, he's just talking about the things that just try to grip us. You know what our world is made up of? Human abilities, human talents, human efforts. And I find in my own life where if I only try to use my human abilities, it limits me. I can only go so far. The wisdom of men. And there's times in every one of our lives we get in a place in our life where we don't know. And right there, it's the place where you say, oh, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. I, I welcome your help. I welcome it. And I do it all the time in some of the littlest areas. And, and a lot of times we look and think, well, it's so small. Why would I ask the Holy Spirit? Well, he wants to help you. He's the helper. Jesus said, it's better for me to go away. I'm going to send you a helper. Do you know, guys, Jesus only sent us a helper on two different times. The Holy Spirit and women. It says something about us men. (laughs) I need the Holy Spirit and I need my wife too. (laughs) So it's a blessing to understand the Holy Spirit wants to help us. So he goes on to say, verse 12. Now we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. He's been freely given us, but from God. Who did he say the Holy Spirit was from? God. He's from God. It's a gift from God to help us. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive these things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish, they are nonsense, they are meaningless to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so again, when I sit here and I begin to look at this, I think, okay, Lord, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I welcome the Holy Spirit. And it's like every day I, I must to ask him, come into my life, Holy Spirit, help me. I believe with all my heart, he's just waiting for you to give him permission to say, come and help me in the name of Jesus. Come. Now, what I want to do here is I want you to go to the book of first Kings, first Kings 17. And as you're going there tonight, this, this literally is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit helps men. 1 Kings chapter 17. You'll begin to see this, and I, I want you to see, you say, where's 1 Kings 17? Well, it's right there in the front. You'll go to Samuel and then the kings. This is a passage about a prophet named Elijah. This is really good. Verse, chapter 17, verse 1. And it says, Elijah the Tishbite and the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, he said to Ahab... Now, let me give you a little quick reference to this guy named Ahab. Ahab was the worst king in the history of Israel. He was the most wicked and ungodly king they ever had. Ahab was. So he said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, one of the reasons Elijah says, he says, listen, listen, Ahab. He said, there's not going to be any rain on the earth for three years until I tell you. Now, when you're that bold with a king that can kill you, you got to have the Holy Spirit. There was a boldness that came on him. But part of the reason this happened is that Ahab, they, uh, they, they worshiped the God of Baal. And they believe that Baal controlled the rain. And so literally right here, Ahab is told by Elijah, listen, buddy. The gods of Baal don't control the rain. The Lord God of Israel controls the rain. So he steps out, and and I begin to see a boldness in him. Now, turn to chapter 18, verse 1, and I wish I could read all this to you, but time's sake we can't. And it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. The third year of the drought, it's taken place now for three years. And he said, saying, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So you begin to get a picture of what's going on. Man, it's bad. They hadn't had rain. Remember a couple years ago when we hadn't had rain? Very similar. Same chapter. Look with me in verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Ahab accuses Elijah of being the troubler of Israel. You know why? Because there hadn't been no rain. But but look real close here at his response back to Ahab. And Elijah answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have follow the Baals. Now, he refutes his accusations. And he's very bold. Now, you got to understand this. When those, those prophets would come against those kings, often they would be thrown in dungeons, they would be in prison. And so you can begin to sense this boldness that comes upon Elijah. And, and remember this thought here. The Holy Spirit not only empowers us and gives us boldness. He gives us strength to handle the task that is at hand. In other words, there's times in our life you're not going to be able to pull things off in your own ability. And some of you say, yeah, I am. No, you're not. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. So we read, pick up in verse 19. Now, therefore, sin... And gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Azra who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, these were all these ungodly guys. Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord God is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So you know what Elijah says? We're going to have the big showdown today, boys. We're going to find out if it's the God of Baal or if it's the God of Israel. He's bold. And one of the reasons I can tell you that he's bold, there was 450 false prophets of the Baals, but only him. Now, that may not be the odds you're at at work, but oftentimes, as a Christian, we're heavily outnumbered. And there'll be times within you that you will definitely, definitely need the Spirit of God to say, man, I gotta help. I gotta help to get through this day. I'm around some of the most ungodly people. But also, when they begin to rise up against the things of God, you don't waver. You don't back off. You don't what I call crawdad. You hang tough. Keep reading. Then Elijah said to the people, I am alone am left a, uh, a prophet of the Lord, but Bel's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give up two bulls, let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull, and I will lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. So here's the big challenge. He said, we're both going to get a bull. and we're going to cut that dude up, and we're going to sacrifice, but we're not going to put fire on the under the altar. Verse 24, now watch this. Then you shall call on the name of the Lord your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people said, It is well spoken. See the boldness on him? I mean, this is a guy who trusted God. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves, prepare it first for you and many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. So they took the bull which was given them, And they prepared it, and they called on the name of the bell from morning, evening, until noon, saying, "Oh, bell, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So now they're jumping around the altar trying to get the God of bell to show up. And so it was at noon that Elijah, he mocked them. He ridiculed them. He talked a bunch of trash to them. I I love this because it just shows me something on the inside which was i believe the holy spirit would just rise up in him and so he said cry aloud for he is a god either he's meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping or taking a nap and he must be awakened i love this so they cried aloud and they cut themselves as were their customs with knives and lances until blood gushed out on them an interesting statement there I've cross-referenced this and I've traced it and I traced it and anytime a human being this is this is not to judge anybody, but anytime a human being begins to cut themselves, this is rooted in baal worship and I will tell you this is an ugly, ugly devil, and if that's you. God loves you. You don't have to do that, okay? God loves you. And that's a lying devil to you. And I don't care if you're an adult. I don't care if you're a young one. If that's happened, I'm going to tell you. you can come up here and we want to pray for you after the service, okay? Not to judge. I'll never judge you. Keep ready. And when midday was passed, they prophesied. That's an interesting statement. Who prophesied? These false prophets of Baal. So understand this, guys. Be very clear on this. Just because people prophesied doesn't mean it's from God. These yahoos were prophesying. I imagine what they were prophesying. So he said, they prophesied until the time of the offering, evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. For six hours they cried out to the God of Baal, and no one showed up. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So the people came near to him, and he, prepared the, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar. In the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two says of seed. That's an interesting part right there. i, I got to tell you this. The two sayas of seed is equivalent to somewhere between 12,000 and 18,000 square feet. That's a lot of area, okay? This is a massive, massive altar is what I'm trying to tell you. So he goes on to said, and he put the wood in order... He cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on, and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Now, do you see the boldness? I'm telling you, this guy's a guy who knows God. I don't believe he's flinching a lot. And a lot of times we would say, man, I don't know if I could ever have that boldness. You can't, but it's from the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to be filled with the Spirit of God. So he said, pour a little more water on there. Keep pouring water on there three times. So the water ran all around the altar. He also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said. Now when he said, get this real close here. He begins to pray. He begins to pray. And look how he begins to pray. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or Israel. Israel was Jacob. It's the God we serve. I mean, he was given reverence to him in his prayer. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I'm your servant. That I've done all these things at your word. Now he's letting everybody know. Listen, guys. I'm just the messenger boy. I'm not capable of doing of anything. It's him. And it's very, very important we understand that. It's God. Because if I don't understand that, that it's all to be done to God, and it's all to be done in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get humbled in life. Things are going to get difficult. Keep reading. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices. And the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water, was that in the trench. This is going to be a great rewind in heaven. We're going to eat popcorn and we're going to watch this one. It'll be a good look. Oh my gosh. Just licked it all up. Now, if, if I was one of those false prophets of Baal, you know what? I'd, I'd got on my knees and said, give me Jesus. I want to get born again. Keep reading. Oh man, i got to hurry. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's important that you see that right there. When the fire came down, pay close attention to what the people said. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. They did not say, That man, Elijah, is incredible. That woman's incredible. Again, the Holy Spirit moves and he helps and he empowers people that say, I'm going to reverence God. I'm going to give God all the glory and I'm going to give all the God, the honor. And so it's big that any time things happen, you begin to say, it's to you, God. Now, turn with me to the other side of the Bible, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And I've got to paraphrase the rest of it as you're going there. So you get the passage there that after he does all this, that's when he takes his little, his little armor bearer and he goes up on the mountain. And he first tells Ahab, he said, Ahab, go get your rain clothes on, buddy. It's getting ready to rain. It hasn't rained in three years. And he sends a little altar boy up and he says, go see if you see any clouds. And he comes back and says, I don't see nothing. He does it seven times. The seventh time he comes back and he said, I see a cloud the size of a hand coming out of the ocean. It begins to rain. Now the reason I want to take you here is James 5. Start with me in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now get this. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you'll notice the words in there, he didn't say just the prayer of a righteous man avails or benefits much. He said the effective fervent prayer. Now, when I read that, it shows me that this was prayer that just wasn't normal prayer. This was prayer, I believe, that was birthed from the Holy Spirit. That something swells up on the inside of you. And when you hear people, and you'll hear me use this analogy about myself, a lot of times I'll say this, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes on the inside and you begin to say, I'm a champion for God. I'm I'm not not defeated, I'm not down, I'm not out, I'm not scared of the the enemy. Something rises up on the inside of you. And when you look at the word effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much, it's it's a supplication that literally means having energy. Energy, get this, energy to release. The result. How many of you, when you pray, you say, boring? How many of you, when you pray, you say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. And you look at your watch and you've gone one minute and you think, dear Lord, I've been there. Something happens to a human being. When it's effective, fervent prayer, something begins to rise up on the inside of you, and it changes the way you pray. So the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, why am I saying that? Watch this. Verse 17. Elijah, the guy we just read about, was a man with a nature like ours. So understand this, Elijah didn't get dressed in a phone booth. He didn't have a cape. He didn't have a mask. He was a man that had a nature just like me and you. So his nature was that, of very similar to things we fight and we battle. But it says he had a nature like us. He prayed earnestly. He prayed with Holy Spirit fire and something began to happen in his life. You want to change your prayer life? Start inviting the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Start saying, Holy Spirit, birth fervent prayer in me. It'll change the way you pray. It'll begin to move. It'll change the way your children act. When you say, Father God, I'm going to pray for my kids. How do you know all that? The reason I stand here today is because the prayers of my mother. She prayed for us and prayed for us. And pray. I remember coming into my house, you know, at all hours of the night, and I would look and she sat in this chair. And I would walk in, and there my mom would be, and, you know, we'd be so messed up. And I'd hear her praying. And many of you women, you're around my mom. Some of you will get around my mom at the, the, the women's advance or the women's retreat here in two weeks. I'm going to tell you, don't ask her to pray for you unless you really mean it. I'll tell you, she will get a hold of you. I, I, this happened a few years at the marriage retreat. There was a guy in our church who went up and said, I need you to pray. And I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, dude, you, you don't know what's going to happen. All five foot of her, and next thing I knew, man, just... She stared up. Praying Samuel's, our birth from praying Hannah's. Something happens when we begin to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe some of the generational blessings that come from me is my desire to pray was birthed from the way my mother prays. I pray just like my mother now. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's a good thing. It's a good blessing. So you begin to see these things in the Bible, guys, just weren't coincidental. These things weren't just accidental. These these things weren't just, these guys in the Bible just weren't superheroes just because God said, All right, buddy, I'm gonna give you a little talent. I don't care how talented you are, I don't care how well you sing or don't sing, I don't care how well you preach or you think you preach, I don't care how special you think you are. I tell you right now, without the Holy Spirit, we get in trouble. And I believe that's part of the, the issues we're running to within the church. People are frustrated. People are struggling. And you know what? No one says about the Holy Spirit. And so this is why this is so important to teach on this to say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. It has literally revolutionized my life. It's changed me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.